0: It's time for the second course, hour number two of The Modern Eater.
1: What are you hungry for? Here's to a meal we're all here for. Delicious and tasty. Now we're
0: getting to the good stuff. (sighs) With your hosts, Greg Hollenbeck, Jay Parker, and Brian Freeman. We continue on
1: The Modern Eater Show. This is where we get together every Saturday evening at 6 p.m. to talk about the finer things in life. Food, beverage, local, sourcing, the things that matter to you as the consumer. And we hope to highlight everything that you possibly could want out of a show like this. It's you and me, we're together again. It is the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker, and Brian Freeman, broadcasting live from the Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project. Uh, We're in full swing for the anniversary party here on 8th and Santa Fe as we bring back to the show right now proprietor and head brewer of Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project, Andrew Moore. What a great night tonight, Andrew. No, this
2: is fantastic.
1: So much fun. I mean, as you grow it as a brewery, you begin to meet friends. You begin to meet people that come in here on a daily uh, that you may see once a week, every single day, once a month. But it's a cheers to you, my friend, right now.
2: No, it's wonderful. I'm so thankful for everybody that's turned out and make this evening, our first birthday, so memorable. It wouldn't have been possible without our great staff, without uh, Ben Gettinger, who's on here earlier, um, without my supportive wife, so we're super happy to be here uh, one year in. Super happy to have you guys here.
1: Thank you, man. Brian, Jay, just jump in um, as we've gotten to know these guys.
0: Oh. I- I'll tell you, Andrew is one of the most genuine guys you'd ever sit and have a beer with. His knowledge, it- it's-, it's fun because you can sit there and poke all kinds of questions and holes in anything that he has. And he defends himself in a way that's from a, a level of education. It's his his beer speaks for itself passion yeah i I mean what he puts together in a keg on a daily basis i I don't think many can step up to the level that he has stepped up and uh that's why i'm interested to talk with our friend today travis because uh, travis has done some great things he's also a beer archaeologist and um i love it because i feel like what we've got sitting across the table from us tonight is two powerhouses in the beer making world. There's the setup right there, Travis Rupp.
1: They gave him a great title, and I think it's my dream job and everybody else's as a little kid. He's a beer archaeologist, and I think he really just enjoys um, beer and its background, where it came from, how you can emulate those styles of beer throughout the ages, and how you can use those styles of beer to create modern age beers from Avery Brewing Company Travis Rupp joins us right now on the Modern Eater show How are you Travis I'm great guys thank you very much for having me on thank you Andrew for the invite as well this is great great
3: that party tonight sad. Yeah It's it's no matter how cool you think you are <laughs>
2: There's always and I think I'm pretty cool but there's always <laughs> here comes Travis There's always somebody doing cooler stuff than Yeah you. And Travis is a good friend of mine uh, who's doing cooler stuff. Uh,
1: so Travis, as we begin, and I wanted to, I said to Andrew, we have to spend a half an hour with you because <laughs> okay. these are all the things we want to talk about. Sure. Um, I look at Andrew as a brewer who's not afraid. Fear can strike you in this business to do what everybody else is doing and not try and just emulate them, but to do it a little bit better. But to take it beyond that and push the envelope to where I'm not going to try and really emulate what you're doing, but I'm going to cut new road and I'm going to give you some flavors and some spices that may be indigenous to different regions of the world and create recipes. Talk about Andrew for a second, would yeah. you, Travis? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Talk about me, I mean, please. I could can, I can yeah.
3: talk about Andrew for a long time. So I've known Andrew for a long time. We actually uh, first met back when he was in grad school with my wife um, at CU Boulder. And we started homebrewing together back then, and we homebrewed together for a long time. Uh, And one of the cool things about working with Andrew back then too was always, uh, we were just kind of doing it for our own imbibing, you know, drinking a little too much on a Saturday night on our own. Uh, But uh, there was always that that portion of experimentation that he was pushing forward. One of the coolest things that I love to see live now at Intrepid Sojourner is the Turkish beer uh, uh, that he has put on and the project he's worked on for so long with that. Because I still remember the very first time yeah. when we were homebrewing and you brought that back from Turkey, this Turkish coffee, and he's like, hey, let's try to make a beer with this. And, uh, it, and he did, and it was Awesome. I mean, it was a great beer, um, super flavorful, and the fact that when he was getting right open, this brewery, um, after I had gone on to work for Avery, I knew that was going to be one of the flagship beers you know, putting on, and it's one of them. It was so cool to see that beer on on tap at Stout Month up in the the Mountain Sun, Southern Sun uh, chain that was going on, and people had recognized it already for a brewery that's only one year old, which is awesome. I mean, the the kind of success he's had already, one year in is great. And then the fact that he won that medal at World Beer Cup, you know, just what, a week or two ago for the experimental category of all things. You know, I mean, that's just really awesome. That's a testament to where he's willing to take it to that next level, to continue to push that experimentation. That's why we've known each other, worked together for so long in the beer industry. It's awesome.
1: So in personal conversations, that I've had with Andrew. He speaks so highly about you, Travis. <laughs> Thank and you, Andrew. I, think, I think it's really one of those things to where, um, Andrew, talk about Travis for a minute. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Like, well, I, I feel like Travis is one of those people I hope I grow up to be. Um, I mean, Travis is doing. You better hurry up. <laughs> I, no, it's just because I'm an old man, that's why, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> But no, I mean what, what Travis has been able to do, sort of pushing the boundaries of uh, what we know about beer um, has been uh, really eye-opening. There's not a lot of scholarship out there about ancient beer um, and the scholarship that has been out there has been very piecemeal or it's been sort of tied up in what we'd like to believe about ancient beer, most of it was all wine. But like, so Travis is really, I think, one of these amazing pioneers uh, to go back and, and look at the text, look at the history, uh, to work with monks from monks in Italy to archaeologists in South America uh, to now researching projects here locally in Golden, Colorado um, and recreate this history of, the, of this beer. And it's, it's been fascinating to watch. I was just up on Thursday. They released a, a, a new beer uh, based on uh, archaeological evidence coming out of the Levant and Fertile Crescent region. And It was so cool to have this beer with pomegranates and frankincense and myrrh and walnuts and honey. And I, I think it's awesome that Avery has taken this step and in, in invested in Travis to allow him to do this because um, you know, we just, all the information that we can get out of them, um, we, want, we want to know it. We want to learn about beer. Thanks, Tra- man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Travis Rupp, Avery Brewing Company, they call you beer archaeologist. How'd you get into the business?
3: Sure, Uh, that's That's a really good question a good journey. I mean, uh, I uh, dabbled in some things. I mean, I, I still teach up at CU Boulder, but I went to grad school in the same program Andrew did and uh and my wife did and uh when i got out obviously what we got degrees in classical archaeology there aren't a lot of jobs in that uh <laughs> how are we gonna make money <laughs>
1: exactly
3: <laughs> and uh, a lot of us got yeah, out looking for, are, are we gonna be here. a teacher or <laughs> yeah exactly and uh i was fortunate enough to uh to get hired back just teaching a couple classes a semester in greek and roman art but um, You know, I I realized I'd spent a lot of time in academia, going from the University of Iowa to Notre Dame and then to CU Boulder. I had uh, pretty much spent about 12 years in college, um, getting various degrees. Knew that trying to get into the real world sector was going to be a little challenging because everybody sees you as kind of just an academic, you know? Um, So I actually originally right out the door uh, tried to get a job at Avery. Um, I just really respected what they did. and they pretty much shooed me away and said, yeah, dude, go get some real-world experience. I mean, your head's in a book right now. And so I went off and um, I worked uh, some other jobs, some random jobs, worked for Apple for a couple of years. And then my girlfriend, who is now my wife, so that all worked out great, <laughs> uh, she was the one that actually said, you know, it's not about how much money you make. You want, you just want to experiment. You want to be creative. You want to... Uh, and dig into things kind of like Andrew said, try to look for stuff that people aren't working on. And she said, you, you've got two passions. You love the ancient world, and you love beer. And I've been home brewing since, we'll be quiet on this one since I was 19, uh, when my dad bought me my first home brew kit, way back at the age of 19, for my 19th birthday actually. My dad's a cool guy. Um, and he had spent a lot of time um, making wine and mead. He's a honey farmer in Iowa. And so um, I've always been curious about it. But I knew I was going to have to take a, a pretty big plunge because it's it's hard to get into the beer industry. Andrew, I'm sure yeah. has already spoken about that. And speaking well, more you to, to it,
2: you told me one at one point that Avery gets like 2,500 applications for every taproom position. They
3: yeah, it used it definitely like used to be that way back in the day. We only had the old, Avery's moved now to a bigger location, but when we were at the small little location off of 55th and Boulder, there were only 10 people that worked in the taproom and. It was just this huge stack of stuff. We'd get hundreds daily of applications to try to work in the tap room there. And so, my uh, my wife, girlfriend at the time, said, "I don't care what you got to do, just get your foot in the door." So we returned from like a, a little a little vacation and. I went into Avery and said, I'm going to apply for a bartender position, and I about watched the manager fall over because he knew my background. I'd been teaching at CU. "So you sure you want to do this? And I said, yeah, sure, I, I really want to do this. I really want to get into beer, um, and they hired me, and since then, uh, I've worked through the system pretty quickly. I was uh, moved into production within about 10 months, um, was a packaging uh, supervisor, ran the bottling line at Avery for about three years, and then... About two and a half years ago, they pulled me into the experimentation team uh, to work on all of our barrel aging uh, stuff and then in the new beers. And then about um, uh, about six months into that, um, they asked me to take over the program. And so I run all of our barrel program, all of the innovation for Avery. And then um, in the mit- in the midst of that, I've been doing a lot of research on ancient beer, and I was. Uh, our production managers would ask me to do presentations at our production meetings being uh, just on history. They're like, well, you're a teacher. You
1: can teach us about history. It's like, well, yeah. Perfect you know, segue. Yeah. Can we pause there? <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what. So when you're overqualified for your industry but <laughs> underqualified for an industry you'd like to be in, uh, those are the steps that you have to take, and that's the story of Travis Rupp, beer archaeologist, uh, the title that Avery Brewing Company gave him. And I'm sure we all have questions to ask him. Uh, Myself, Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker, Brian Freeman, at Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project, along with Andrew Moore, their own beer archaeologist. The next segment's going to be a conversation about beer. Absolutely. (laughs) What do you say (laughs) about beer? And then uh, 7.30 on 6.30 KHOW, Emily Fletcher's going to come up. We had a great week. Uh, Emily Nunbetter, she's our food editor for TheModerneater.com and also our lead writer. We've got to catch up with her and Kyle Moyer
0: and Booze in the News. Brian, it's a good night here. I- I'm having a blast. Great food and the beer. I'm getting exposed to a lot of new stuff. And yep. It's always nice to see Andrew and ben and, uh, and then make new friends yes, yes. as well here. Do you have questions for Travis as we come up into oh, the next
1: yes, Oh, <laughs> yes, I do. I bet you do. What about you? Huh, Jay? Uh,
0: Yeah, old beer, man.
1: I'm down. (laughs) Let's talk about it. All right, beer, it's past and it's future. None better than these two guys, Travis Rupp and Andrew Moore, together again right here. (laughs) Live from Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project, it is the Modern
0: Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Soup's on. If you're hyper-local and you like food, click and taste the Modern Eater's website, videos, pictures. It is good. Food and drink blogs from the best in the business. And don't forget to watch their latest prize giveaway video, too. TheModerneater.com
4: It's my distinct pleasure to introduce you to The Bindery, Eatery, Market, and Bakery. Hi, I'm Chef Linda Hampston-Fox, owner of The Bindery. My life's journey has taken me through Switzerland, France, Italy, and Mexico and has allowed me to create a menu at the Bindery that I think you'll find truly unique. The Bindery combines a market and bakery with an elevated fine dining experience under the same roof. We are proud at the Bindery to provide artisanal foods made by hand in small batches. Join us in the morning for an award-winning dragonfly coffee, a convenient market lunch, a crafted libation during happy hour, or an intimate dinner in the eatery. And don't forget about our amazing weekend brunch. Conveniently located in the Highland neighborhood at 1817 Central Street. Just exit I-25 on 20th and park in one of our 55 covered free parking spaces. For our menus and all things The Bindery, look us up online at thebinderydenver.com. And remember, food is one of life's great pleasures. And I look forward to you being my next guest.
5: Hi, this is Charlie Gottenkenny, brewmaster at Brews Beers. Spring is here, and it's time to check out our spring lineup of Belgian-style ales. We have classic Belgian styles like doubles and triples, quads, wit beers, and Belgian IPAs, plus spring seasonals, fruit beers, wild beers, and barrel-age specialties. All of our beers are handcrafted in small batches and served fresh. Brews Beers is in Midtown at 67th and Pecos. We're open seven days a week with great food trucks every day and loads of free parking. We're even dog-friendly. And if you're planning a business or private event, we'll host it for you and make it a memorable experience. Find out why everyone's talking about the award-winning Belgian-style beers at Brews. Remember to check out our website, BrewsBeers.com, for upcoming taproom and special bottle releases. For great Belgian-style beers, it's Brews Beers, 1675 West 67th Avenue in Denver. See you soon. Hi, I'm Charlie Gottenkenny. We all love Belgian beer. Brewmaster at Brews Beers. <laughs> what the f*** wrong with you? <laughs> You're listening to the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio.
1: I'm loving it. We're here live from Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project. It's their first anniversary, and it seems like they've been around for decades. (laughs) I'll tell you what. Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker, Brian Freeman coming back in, putting his headset on because the beer is flowing right here in the Santa Fe Arts District. And um, just a pleasure as uh, myself, Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker, Brian Freeman, Andrew Moore rejoins us, the brewer here at Intrepid Sojourner, and uh, Travis, uh, Travis Rupp beer archaeologist, Avery Brewing Company. I want to open up this to everybody, but if I could start the conversation of recreating beers of times of age. You know, people want to, like, what was Jesus's wine? How could we recreate it? Other types of beers, you know, you look at the IPAs that came out and and its journey to development. Mm -hmm. Uh, Were beers really actually any good back in the day? Were they gross? Would you even want to... Duplicate or recreate that type of archaic beer? Sure, great,
3: great question and it's a question I get asked pretty frequently is, you know, was it any good? You know, what and did they know what they were doing? And um, when I started the project in September of twenty sixteen to start we have a series now called Ails of Antiquities, so we just released our seventh one that Andrew is at the dinner for on Thursday night. And when I first started it, um, one, I didn't expect the populace to be so interested in the topic, but they were pretty quickly. It was clear that I needed to make more of these because people were thriving for that information. But I also just didn't know how it was gonna turn out. I'm like, this could be a total flop. Um, Talking to the powers that be at Avery, I mean, luckily I was in a position to do a lot of innovation and I could do almost anything I wanted, but I was still like, you know, are you guys okay with me trying this? Because it might be terrible might end up having to dump it or destroy it, you know. Um, They were like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Go for it. You know, give it a shot. I mean, you finally got your opening to give it a go. And uh, the first beer we created was Nestor's Cup, which was an ancient Mycenaean beer dated to about 1350 BCE. I spent about three years researching the beer. My wife and I spent some time in Turkey and Greece doing research on it to try to recreate the beer. Shockingly, it was extremely tasty, to the, to the degree that people have asked me to recreate it many times, and I just haven't had the time yet because I keep doing these other projects. And continuing with the beers um, of the seven we've done, each one, I might kind of have an idea what it's gonna turn out like, but we often use such weird ingredients or such weird methods of fermentation, it could totally just tank and not work out.
1: As a follow-up yeah. question, can I ask you, You know, as a traditional archaeologist, you're uncovering artifacts to gain more knowledge of of that era Mm -hmm. of time. As a beer archaeologist, your number one mission, and please correct me because I'm a novice, is uncovering yeast strains. Sure. I mean, absolutely.
3: I mean, you would be looking for things like that, and there's some difficulty in that. I mean, um, one of the beers, one of the last beers we did, we did two of them um, called Benedictus Inertia uh, that we brought uh, that I... Did a lot of research on their ancient monastic beers, and um, I actually went over to Italy and ended up spending a significant amount of time over the course of last May, um, just a year ago, with these, because I actually missed Andrew's opening, because I was living with monks in Italy, Um, so he was okay with that, because he's like, that's pretty cool. I didn't Uh, get any of that beer, though.
2: I'm a little upset about that.
3: (laughs) It's coming back, because I got Uh, another batch on the way. Those did really well, so we're re-releasing them, but... I was looking for some
1: of these ancient yeast strains you know and uh when you say looking for them how do you find them what are you looking for where do you
3: go yeah it's difficult i mean like with with some of the other like dogfish head uh, for example you know out in delaware they they had a an ancient ale series back in the day and they did a few things and If you talk to Sam, uh, the owner there, he'll tell you that you really, it's hard to, you can't really resurrect some of these yeasts. So you'll run around with just an open container, basically in Cairo, trying to collect Egyptian yeast, with the presumption that it's fairly similar to what occurred some 2,000, 3,000 years ago. And it's probably somewhat similar, but it's not going to be exactly the same. What we did with the ancient monastic beers was uh, the, the, the monastery I was at had a brewery attached to it, and they have a fairly old yeast strain that's been transferred between Belgium and, and Italy fairly regularly. They don't know exactly how old it is, but some of the estimates I were getting were maybe 300 years, maybe 400 years, maybe 600 years. And so I brought some of it back. Uh, which is was an interesting experience because um, trying to get that through customs is tough. Uh, How do you bring it back? It's not like taking a little bit of weed out of Colorado in a baggie. It is definitely not. So they had uh, while I was there, they we had recently um, packaged some of their beer, and uh, they do wild firm or they do basically bottle conditioning, so the yeast is still alive in the bottles. So they gave me eight bottles of this beer that had still living yeast in it. And uh, they're little 33-centiliter bottles, so if you add it up, it's about the equivalent of two bottles of wine. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm good. I can get this through customs, no problem. So we got to New York, and NYPD pulled me out of line. They're giving me the the whole,
1: you know, Liquids,
3: man, liquids. I know they're like, what is this? What is this hazy stuff? This ain't good. And this is going on and on. I'm like, damn, I'm going to lose this. They're yeah. going to confiscate my stuff or confiscate my stuff. And what was really funny, um, as the monks would say, um, because I emailed Father Martin after I left about this, they said God was watching over me because that's the only way I got it through. For some reason, two gates down, a fight broke out at, at customs. Yeah. And the cop who was checking me through Ran over to help out. I packed up all my stuff and just walked right out of there. And nobody. That's ta- and that's up. the only reason that's that yeast strain is in this country right story. now. Yeah, so it's good. It's Travis
0: good. Brian Freeman here. I've got yeah. a question for yeah. you that, that I'm really interested about. Is just temperature, sure? Because obviously there was no refrigeration a thousand oh, sure. years ago. Yeah, and, I, um, there and you, you know, in the IPA, ev- yeah, and everyone drinks cold beer in the sure. U.S. You know, I, I've traveled in Europe where they drink it at more of a 50-degree temperature mm-hmm. than what we're doing over here. But what do you think that they were doing a 1,000 years ago, and would you guys ever try to serve a beer at room temperature? Sure, question. sure. sure that's that's an excellent question. I mean, in,
3: in regards to temperature, yes, we would we would go that to that extent to serve it at room temp. I mean, some of the stuff Andrew is experiencing on Thursday night, it, it is at room temp after after it's sat on the table for just a little bit. And we give them so many samples with the expectation that it will come up to room temp and they'll experience it the way the ancients would have.
1: Yeah, it's probably almost like experiencing scotch and whiskey. Sure. Like when you know how to drink it. Yep, absolutely. Uh, It's right there. Yep, absolutely. Where your tastes almost demand that. Yes. Andrew, take it away for a couple of minutes, would you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing I'm always bugging Travis about uh, is, is it actually beer? Because, I mean, we have all of these, I mean, we have this kind of understanding, right, that beer is this, this malt-based beverage, and that has a legal definition for someone who runs a brewery, uh, or someone who lives in Germany in the 16th century with the Reinheitsgebot. Like, this is beer. And, and like, when we look at, at um, a beer like the one you presented to us on Thursday, and it's this kind of interesting grain-wine hybrid, yeah. it's like, well, is it beer? Should we call it beer? Um,
1: Has the lexicon changed? Should
2: we sure change the way we talk about old alcoholic
3: beverages? Yeah, and, and I, I think definitely to what Andrew's saying is I, I definitely think we should. I mean, you could even meld kind of Brian's question. To what Andrew was saying swill is will at yeah, the time it, exactly. I mean, because part of it was like with Brian, what he's asking with the temperature side of it, it's <laughs> uh, with the with the temperature side of things. Um, yeah, they're drinking stuff really quickly, so they don't care if it gets a little warm. But that does kind of wrap into that corpus of what Andrew's talking about, that we do need to change the corpus on what is beer. I mean, one of the things I was presenting on Thursday, recreating this ancient Israeli beer, basically, that was inspired by the Dead Sea Scrolls exhibit at Denver Museum of Nature and Science, because I'm a consultant for them, so I, I do some work for them. and. Um, yeah, I mean this. We have, we're un, in Colorado in particular. We have very re- re- restricted and rigid laws about if you put any kind of uh, grain in anything, it's beer. If you put cereals in it, it is it is designated beer. And we as brewers, Andrew and I, we're not allowed to make wine because we don't have a a license for it. But we can make wine-beer hybrids as long as it's only 49% grapes to 51% cereals, you know.
2: And you only supply 1.5% of the alcohol from the... That's exactly right, yeah,
3: which is impossible to actually actually you know measure i'm glad to know but, <laughs> that avery thinks that too <laughs> yes it i don't is. know how to do oh it. no we, we can't and you know and, it, and it's not possible but and so looking at some of these ancient um these ancient contexts for it with this ancient israeli biblical beer i think what they were doing was the exact opposite you read all of these texts from the tanakh or the old testament or the christian tradition and they tell you that it's wine 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 everything's translated as wine and there's one term that kept getting thrown around called shikar and I did a lot of research on it, traced it back some 2,000, 2,500 years before and in the Akkadian language. They called it beer, but the Israelis called it wine. And I think it was because they were putting grapes in it. It's the exact opposite. You put grapes in anything, it's wine, no matter what the cereal level was. And so I think there's a lot to be redone with it. I also think that the ancients. They were way smarter than we think they are. Just because we have all the flashy technology, we're probably dumber than they were because they were having to figure it out on their own. And as a result, uh, they were making stuff that was palatable. Everything we've, re- we've resurrected or recreated so far, pretty damn tasty. As, Travis, it,
1: tr- as it goes full circle to our first question that we yep. asked you, yep. Um, and I think that that's remarkable. As time expires here, I'd like you, uh, Travis Rupp, avery brewing company to just take one minute please and talk about avery
3: sure thank you very much i mean yeah avery brewing company we're up in uh we're up in north boulder up in the gum barrel district and we've actually been around for 25 years Uh, We celebrate our 25th anniversary this August. Uh, Come June 9th, we've got a big Avery Invitational where we're inviting breweries from all over the world to come in and pour beer um, at our Invitational. So it's been a pleasure to work for them. Avery is phenomenally experimental. It's what got us on the market a long time ago. Adam Avery and Larry Avery, our owners, they were all about experimentation and pushing the limits and Luckily, they decided to bring me in to continue to push, push those limitations and experiment. Um, you ever get a chance, come up and check us out. Come ask for me if you're in the place. I would love to sit down and have a beer with you. Thank you, fine sir, for taking Absolutely.
1: us to school. Yes. Thank you. Thanks oh, for having me Oh, my goodness. I mean, that was about the best half hour of programming you could ever expect. And, and Greg, I told him yeah. after 10 minutes yeah. on the phone earlier this yeah. afternoon when he did a lot of yeah. what he did, I said, so you have nothing to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I'm not taking your uh, title of most interesting no. man in the world will happily, away, yeah, Andrew. i yeah, to this man right here. But there's yeah. a... The he's most a, interesting man in the world. There's reason why I want to be him when I Yeah, absolutely. As they oh. say, Greg, he's got game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, sir. My pleasure. I appreciate. Absolutely, it. my pleasure. The most interesting woman in the world. Up next, Emily Fletcher, our food editor and lead writer of themoderneater.com. All the information that you could ever want on themoderneater.com, and Emily, make sure that it comes true. Um, Again, I'm just, it's like we could pack up shop right now, turn it off after Travis, but we've got even more Uh, special programming for you. Oh, and
0: I would disagree, Greg. I could spend another two hours with both Travis and Andrew. Listen, on
1: that note, Travis, can we have you back for and we'll extend that time? We'll just give the show to you, man. Absolutely. I'd love to. You just let me know. You're an amazing man. I'll tell you what. Appreciate that. Thank you for your travels and your experience and being able to have the uh, wit to articulate yourself, right? (laughs) Thank you very much, yes. So much fun. Okay, Emily Fletcher, she's up next right here the Modern Eater Show, live from Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project. Right here on the Modern Eater Show on
0: iHeartRadio. Soup Sat. If you're hyper local and you like food, Eat click and taste the Modern Eater's website. Videos, pictures,
2: it is good.
0: Food and drink blogs from the best in the business. And don't forget to watch their latest prize giveaway video to the moderneater.com.